Welcome to the Wealth with Purpose podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook. As you will perhaps know, especially if you've got a mortgage, the Reserve Bank is getting ready to deliver their monthly decision on interest rates this afternoon. There's some thought they may have a pause and leave rates on hold. Um, We're turning our attention today to even things like a deepening global trend and the possibility of another global financial crisis on the horizon. But we're back today with our finance commentator, Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose. Alex's early career was in stockbroking. Then he founded a successful financial planning practice, now with Wealth With Purpose, helping to equip Christians to honour God with their finances by teaching sound financial skills based on the wisdom of the Bible. So we'll be talking about the latest developments around the world, the implications for our Australian economy and for investors, as well as whether there is a biblical Christian approach to navigating the way forward. We'll open our talkback lines very shortly, uh, just uh, 1-800-316-316 as we get our conversation underway. Alex Cook, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be back again with you. Alex, before we get into the nitty-gritty, obviously another potential interest rate rise on the way today. People get very jittery about that, especially those (laughs) whose budget has been really under pressure. I imagine that uh, at a time like this, uh, you know, you might just look to God if you are entering some deeper waters. Uh, Just any thoughts here for those who might be feeling jittery at the start of our conversation? It might get worse, by the way, but what are your thoughts for that person? (laughs) Yeah, look, I think you're absolutely right. This is a time, you know, you and I have been talking over the last six months about some of the challenges on the horizon. So I think this is a great time to really learn to lean on God and to draw near to him. You know, I think it's often when we grow in God is when we're we're put under the pump, you know, we're under the pressure that sort of tests our faith. Um, you know, God knows how we're going to behave and how we're going to act, but often we don't know how we're going to act until we find ourselves in these situations. So I think it's a, it is, you know, no one wishes challenging times upon our nation, but certainly I think um, with the pressure people are under, you know, mortgage repayments have gone up 50%. Over the last 12 months, uh, that's going to affect a lot of people and potentially a lot of listeners. So it's a great time, I think, to to really learn to trust God and, and particularly seek wisdom. You know, the book of James says, um, uh, if you want wisdom, there's one way to get it, and that's to ask God. So I think uh, many of us, and myself included, you know, when I'm talking to people about money, I need as much wisdom as I can possibly get. So uh, we need to learn to ask God, and he is a good God, and he will provide and uh, give us that wisdom. Okay, it is naturally unsettling uh, to even use those words global financial crisis uh, in a level of speculation that there may well be one on the horizon. Uh, We're not the only ones talking about this though, but uh, give us some insight Mm. here, Alex. Uh, Some of the events of these past few weeks that cause you to be unsettled and cause you to have this thought that yes, we might be on that track. 
Mm. Well, just one initial comment, though. People just have to remember history. You know, crises are not unusual. We always get through them. Um, yes, they're not pleasant at the time, but they are part of the of the business cycle. And, of course, many listeners went through the 2008 crisis where stock markets, well, the Australian stock market fell 55%. So these, um, you know, they're not fun to go through, but they're not unusual. So, you know, we shouldn't be that surprised when they occur. Um, but really, the last couple of weeks has been fascinating and certainly, if you like, some warning signs of potential crises ahead. So probably the, the big trigger was a couple of weeks ago when a large bank in America called Silicon Valley Bank, uh, it went broke. It uh, was estimated, I think, to be the 16th largest bank in the US. And at the same week, two other smaller banks went broke. Now, it's important for listeners to probably understand the US banking system is a bit different to ours. There's a lot more banks. You have a couple of huge banks like Citibank and Bank of America, which people probably heard those names before. Um, but there's 5,000 regional banks. And uh, so it's, it's, it's quite different in that regard. And what's actually happening now and what's happened since is people have become quite nervous about the smaller banks. And so many of the smaller banks are experiencing large withdrawals. I think in one week, uh, there was $120 billion withdrawn from some of the small regional banks in the US. So that, um, you know, is a significant sum of money. Um, and obviously, that's when the US regulators step in to provide liquidity to prevent these banks uh, from going under. Um, of course, if you go across the pond to Europe, they, uh, they haven't avoided <laughs> their fair share of problems uh, with, uh, I guess, the, you could call it the near collapse of Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse is an extremely important global bank just because of its sheer size. And it, uh, it's been on the nose for probably the better part of the last 12 months. They've gone through massive restructures and had quite a few problems, had a lot of losses. Um, and so there appears to be what we call it, I'd call it government engineered merger between Credit Suisse and UBS, creating the largest bank in uh, Switzerland. And so I guess the question now is, and I guess there's a bit of a hunt on, if you like, for who's next. <laughs> a lot of people in markets are thinking, oh, you know, who, who's the who's the next big bank to, to fall? And all eyes are on Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank, which is a large German bank, uh, it's also had quite a few problems over the past few years, um, although it is actually a profitable bank. Um, and uh, so people are wondering, is Deutsche Bank going to be next? So there's all these sort of, um, you know, what ifs going on. Uh, but certainly, the I think the real issue here is what's caused this, and really, it's not a very a normal situation because normally you expect it to be from people defaulting, so you know, uh, businesses that are borrowing from the bank to default or homeowners defaulting, but that's not actually what's occurred in this particular case. It's actually because interest rates have risen so quickly, uh, many of these banks hold government bonds as uh, as their source of uh, reserves. And all of a sudden, those bonds over the last 12 months have taken quite a big hit as interest rates have risen. And that's put those banks into more difficult positions if they're forced to sell those bonds to meet deposit, uh, depositors' withdrawals. So it's, uh, it's an interesting crisis because it's, it's quite different to what we experienced in 2008. So I think, though, it's got a lot longer uh, to play out. You know, it's early days yet. Okay, so fear, though, 
uh, leads to uh, things like a run on banks or a run on bonds, as you're saying. Uh, so sentiments, when they hit panic level, that's the sort of thing that triggers uh, what you might call a global financial crisis. Is that the way it worked uh, back in 2008? Is that the sort of thing you'd look out for? Yeah, look, it's a good question. So really, there's two main things that cause banks to get into trouble. Uh, one is you have a liquidity crisis or you have a solvency crisis. So what's gone on so far is actually one of liquidity. And what that really means is it means that when us as depositors turn up to the bank, the bank can't give us all our money back. And the reason for this is is fairly straightforward is and this is a problem for all banks, by the way, not just any any bank in trouble. It's all long and they borrow short. What that means is when they take our deposits, you and I expect that we can rock up to the bank any day of the week and get our money back instantly. But of course, the bank has lent that money out for very long periods. You know, people have home loans for 30 years. And so you can have situations where if too many people go to withdraw their money at once, the bank simply can't meet those withdrawals. And that's what occurred um, with the Silicon Valley Bank. To give you a, a sense of perspective, their bank had $200 billion in deposits and they had literally redemptions for $42 billion in uh, the space of about three days. So that's that much money because people have just gone on to the internet and thought, oh, wow, I want to get my money out here quickly and they've gone to transfer their money overnight. And that's basically a run on the bank electronically. Um, and so the key thing with banks is confidence is everything. So that's one situation. The other situation though is solvency. And this is usually where the crisis starts. So what, as I say, this crisis is, is, is upside down. So a solvency crisis is when banks make bad loans. So you and I as a homeowner, if for some reason we default on our home loan, i.e. we have a bad debt, um, or as a business, and we're seeing this in Australia at the moment, you know, over the last uh, two weeks, quite a large, in fact, over the last year, but certainly in the last two weeks, there's been a number of large construction companies in Australia go broke. Um, of course, that leads to a bad debt with the bank. And uh, therefore, the bank can then have a solvency crisis. So normally what happens is the solvency crisis occurs first, i.e. bad debts, and then people will get nervous about the bank and pull their money out. But what's happening, this is actually happening in So it's actually, as I say, an unusual crisis. We're talking about the possibility of another global financial crisis on the horizon uh, Alex, some people will be fearful that this could be 2008 all over again. Uh, what are your thoughts mm. here? Is is it looking like that? Look, certainly we're going to see more bank failures. I think that's inevitable um, because what we're seeing in the US is, and, and the, the thing is you don't really know what's going on underneath the bonnet, if you like, of many banks. Um but what we're starting to see in the US at the moment is their commercial property sector space is under a lot of pressure and valuations are starting to come down quite significantly, as in like 30% drops in commercial property values. Uh, and so that's going to put some of the regional banks, which are the main lenders to these commercial properties, uh, under a lot of pressure. Um, so it's certainly, I think it's inevitable you are going to see more. I'd say to people, though, don't be alarmed because the US system is different and having banks go under, because there's so many of them, it's a much more common thing. In Australia, 
if a, a bank went under, it'd be front page news, um, you know, for, for weeks and weeks. Over there, it's not as uncommon as we think. So what sounds dramatic is not as necessarily dramatic. Obviously, it was a major bank like Bank of America or something like that. That's a different story. But those big banks at the moment is where a lot of the deposits are actually flocking to. So many people are pulling money out of regional banks and putting it in the big banks that are seen as too big to fail. So as I say, I wouldn't be overly alarmed at this point. And certainly the big thing that's changed since 2008 is there's been a dramatic increase uh, in regulation. Uh, certainly here in Australia, the US has always been a bit more wild west compared to Australia, but Australian banks are very well capitalised and very well regulated. So I certainly, that's not to say that they can't get into trouble as, you know, bad debts certainly a long way off here in Australia um, from what I can tell. Certainly uh, the US is much more problematic as is Europe. So we might take heart at the thought that we ought not to be quite as concerned about Australia at this point. But if we move closer to a recession later in the year, that has uh, its own implications as well there. So at this point, not a time that you're seeing as a time for major concern, but things can change along with all sorts of uh, global uh, trends. Yeah, I mean, look, the major difference uh, in Australia between now and 2008 is on the one hand, the the banks are better capitalised and, as I say, they're better regulated. On the flip side, we now have a lot more debt than what we're used to. So... Australia, and some listeners will have heard me say this before, is that Australia is the second most indebted households on earth. And that's why we're so sensitive to interest rates. And that's why, you know, meetings like today with the Reserve Bank, everyone is holding out, <laughs> desperately wanting to know, are they, are they or will they or won't they put up rates? Because we've become so interest rate sensitive. So I think that's the issue for Australians. In fact, the Reserve Bank um, said that when the cash rate reached 3.6%, which is what we're at now, um, they estimated that roughly 15% of borrowers would have negative cash flow. In other words, that puts them risk at default. And uh, it means they obviously have to make very tough choices in their budget. You know, you've got to pay your mortgage, you've got to pay your, your food, your school fees, whatever, whatever, whatever your expenses are. A lot of people are under a lot of pressure. So I think going into today's meeting, the central bank, and they have a horrible job if you ask me, because on the one hand, they've got to get down inflation. But on the other hand, they've got to be very careful because the average household is under a lot of pressure so they're in a a difficult predicament and so that's why I think they'll be quite cautious in their approach going forward. Uh, It's all one thing to talk about uh, home owners people who have a mortgage uh, but a lot of people who are running a business and because you know times are tight uh, there's less money around uh, the cafes the restaurants uh, less money being spent on luxury extras, uh, there's an awful lot of extra pressure on business uh, when these things are eventuating too. Any thoughts here as you take this beyond just the homeowner? Uh, Absolutely. And look, if you look at what the most likely outcome is of what's gone on in the US, the the most likely outcome and the flow on impact to the the rest of us here in Australia and indeed throughout America is the infamous credit crunch is what we call it and a credit crunch is simply when uh, there's less money to go around for for borrowing the banks become a lot more conservative 
and they only lend to top tier borrowers and often small and mid-sized businesses find it much harder to borrow. And so that's what we're going to see now as a result of this crisis in the US, banks becoming much more conservative. Um, and so that what that means for small business owners in particular is it's going to be harder to get money than what you have previously. So if you need to go and buy a new bit of equipment or you need to um, you know, borrow money to expand your business, it's going to be harder to get new funds than it was previously um, because banks are now becoming more cautious. Uh, if you look at uh, defaults that are going on in, in, in the Western world, so in the US, corporate defaults are up about two and a half times since 12 months ago. And in Australia, um, during the pandemic, company defaults were actually really low because of all the stimulus money. So it was only about 250 companies per month would go broke. Uh, but in February this year already, it's up to 700 a month, which is a bit closer to the, the normal trend, but the trend is up. So you should start to see more businesses uh, getting into trouble. And of course, this is inevitable as people spend less. You know, when I talk to Aussies, uh, there's this sense of just not having as much as I used to. That's 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 the common feeling. You know, people just feel, oh, you know, everything's expensive, groceries, going out to dinner, everything's expensive. Uh, and that's just the, the feeling that's going on. And, of course, that means people spend less, as you say, and that has a flow-on effect to, um, to businesses. But, you know, as I always say to people, these things pass. It's part of a, a business cycle. Um, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, but these things will pass. It might be disturbing, though, uh, during the pandemic, as you say, 250 companies growing, going broke per month, uh, and that now is sitting at 700 a month. And uh, there'd be some that were, you know, where the fundamentals of their business were not great anyway, and so eventually the inevitable comes, um, and some will say there's some bad management that might be involved in there. But uh, But how much would you put down, do you think, to the fact of the economic issues that are putting that pressure on businesses? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, look, it's difficult to isolate it to any one thing. Certainly, there are some sectors that are under much more pressure. Um, the big sector that's under huge pressure at the moment in Australia is construction. And construction matters in Australia because it's actually a big portion of employment. Um, and the thing in construction is that many builders when they're you know, renovating someone's house or building a new house, they operate under what's called a fixed price contract. So in other words, when you sign the contract to have your house built or renovated, you know what you're going to have to pay. But the problem for the builders is the cost of building materials has skyrocketed over the last 12 months. And so many of those contracts are now unprofitable. And hence, many of these construction companies are getting themselves into a lot of trouble. So it's a sector that's far bigger hit. Whereas if you think of a business like, say, Coles and Woolies, businesses like that barely get affected. You know, at the end of the day, we've all got to eat and uh, everyone's still going to go to the grocery store. So it all comes down to the particular sector that you're in. But certainly, I think that area of discretionary spending, so discretionary retail, that, that sector is going to come under a lot more pressure uh, than, you know, than the, 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 the typical staple things. Just uh, two or three minutes out from news, uh, do want to touch on uh, a biblical approach that we might have. Uh, just a quick thought or two, and we've talked through 
a lot of principles that you can glean from mm. the scriptures, you know, over the years now, Alex. But uh, what mm. ought we be giving some attention to if you're looking for a biblical approach on how you navigate the way forward? Mm. Look, I, I'd say there's probably three key things I'd encourage listeners. First thing is Ecclesiastes 11 verse 2 says, invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight, because you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. So when we think about you know potential crises, one of the key things is to diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. So that's a really, um, it may sound like an obvious one, and certainly uh, financial planners would all advocate for their clients. Um, the second one is, you know, I love in Proverbs, it says, a sensible man prepares for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. The simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. So I think that the key message there is, okay, there are some challenges ahead, so we need to plan for it. So sit down, do your budget, think it through and ask what is going to be the impact if things get more challenging from here. And, and then lastly, and, and one that I love to bang on about, of course, is debt, you know try and reduce your debt as much as you can. A lot of Australians are paying more interest than they should. So if you've got a home loan, it's a great opportunity to potentially refinance and get a better better rate. Um, because the, the Bible says, you know, the rituals over the poor and the borrower becomes the slave of the lender. So my uh, concern for many people is that they become enslaved to the financial system. And that's not what God has desires for any of us. He doesn't want us to be enslaved to the world system. He wants us to be uh, liberated so that we can be generous and, uh, you know, do good with what, what money he's given us. So look, in short, plan ahead, diversify and get out of debt. Hey, Alex, before we move any further, let's come to a little bit of biblical wisdom that might have an immediate valuable effect on someone who is concerned about what may be developing. Um, this issue yeah. around fear, because fear is something that uh, for a lot of people is uh, is really dreadful and uh, and can can have uh, major ramifications. What are your thoughts here if you're applying biblical wisdom to our attitudes to the possibilities of a global financial crisis? Mm, look, there's probably a lot that could be said, but there's a couple of things that really stand out to me. When it's when times like this come and I feel under pressure and I feel, oh, the future doesn't look great, when you get that sort of sense come upon you, I like to remind myself, well, firstly, God is sovereign. He's totally in control of everything. Nothing catches him by surprise. And he's so powerful that he can take care of me irrespective of what is going on around the world. In fact, I was reading earlier today when I was doing my um, quiet time was, that, you know, the story where Jesus is in the boat, he's asleep, the disciples are all in an absolute panic <laughs> because there's this storm raging on around them. They're all, they're all worried they're going to die. And then they wake Jesus up and he just he just speaks to the waves and, and, and to the wind and, and silence it and it all stops. And that is how powerful God is. You know, these crises that are going on around us, God may, look, and he may choose to handle it, I think, in one of two ways. One is he either calms the storm that's going on around us or he'll calm you during the storm. So the storm may rage on around you, but he'll keep you in a position where you're calm because 
you know, you have that sense of peace that comes upon you when you have the Holy Spirit guiding you through these tough times. So that's really important to understand, I say, is God's character. I, I love reading, uh, you know, Psalm 91. And there's a, look, there's a range of great quotes in that particular psalm. And many people will know Psalm 91 well. You know, it talks about resting in the shadow of the Almighty. He is our refuge and our fortress. Um, so there's all these great things to to and to remind us of who God is. Um, but I also like to remind people, you know what, life is is temporary. God does not promise us a comfortable life. That's not that's not a promise. In fact, he says, take up your cross and there'll be there will be tough times, there will be tests, and, and there will be persecution. That's that's what we should expect. And so we've got to remember that life is temporary that we should be concentrating on the eternal hope that we have through Jesus. Um, and so, you know, when these tough times come, you know, we need to be, we need to learn to, to deal with our fears um, as, as we face it. Now, the Bible talks really of two types of fears. There's one, which is the fear of God, which is different to the normal kind of fear we think about. That's actually a healthy kind of fear. That's the reverence and awe of God. And then there's the fear that's unhealthy, which is when we become frightened, we become scared, particularly with the circumstances that are going on around us. So to me, we, that's the one we need to learn to deal with. And that is, you know, we need to be honest about it. We've got to be open with God and voice our concerns to God. God loves to listen to us and, and loves to bring peace into these situations. Um, and, you know, we've got to learn to keep trusting him through this storm, knowing that he will get us through, whether he either calms the storm or whether he just walks you through it um, and, and it helps us through. And we've got to learn to focus on what's truly important during these times because it's easy to let the, the fears of the world distract you from what is your calling what is your purpose here you know we have such a brief time to make a difference and to advance god's kingdom and we need to remember that that's what we're here for and get on with doing what god's called you to do irrespective of the storms that may be going on around us so yeah be but be honest and and you know confront your fears and talk to god about it he's uh more than happy to listen and bring us peace we're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Kay in Gilgandra in New South Wales. Hi, Kay. Welcome along. Hi. I'd like to say amen to everything you're saying. That is just excellent. Well um, done, Kay. My mother brought me up with a lot of amazing verses, and one was trust in the Lord with all your heart, in all your, and in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Don't trust in our understanding. And she also, she died last year at 102, but she also taught wow. me, put all, um, Jesus fed all those people in the wilderness. I mean, God fed all the children in the wilderness, gave them water, gave them quail, gave them manna. And my dad's favourite one was, I was young, David said, I was young and then old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor they seed beg bread. That was dad's one. And we were brought up also, you pay your rent first or your house payment and you do all the rest of the things second. You keep your roof over your head. So then if you have to go to the op shop or the food bank, that's okay. But pay your rent. And also a good name's better than riches. If we don't look after the rented house and have a good name, we won't get the riches. We won't get the next flat or whatever. So, you know, we need to trust in Jesus, don't we? 
trust in him. Kay, overflowing with some very good wisdom in all of that. Uh, It's like homespun wisdom, uh, but it's biblical-founded homespun wisdom and something that's carried Kay uh, undoubtedly through her life. Alex, your thoughts for Kay? I know. Well, I was just thinking as Kay was speaking, I wish uh, I wish my parents taught me those verses when I was a young man because they were fabulous. And look, I mean, it was, I would say what Kay's just said is beautiful because there's two things she gave really, which is some awesome spiritual advice. You know, we may not understand what's going on around us, but when we trust in the Lord, he, he'll make our path straight and help us through it. Um, then on the practical side, she said really good advice, which is make sure... You, you get your, your your bills in order and that is, you know, making sure you pay your rent, pay your mortgage and look after the place you're in. I think that's all very good advice. And, of course, the only other thing I would add to that is in these times, don't forget to be generous. The I think there's a risk for everybody when, we, when tough times come upon us that we withhold. You know, we start to get nervous and think, oh, I better keep that for myself just in case. No, yes, yes, you should have reserves, sure, but we should step out in faith and be generous during these times as well. But I loved Kay's advice and I love her heart. Kay, love your advice and I'm glad you called in. Kay from Gilgandra in New South Wales. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Peter is in Yamba, New South Wales. Hi, Peter. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Very well, Peter. What are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts are, um, I'd like to know what he thinks about uh, things like tithes and offerings from churches and also donations to charities in these times of hard uh, times and that for people. What, what he thinks about those. Okay, Alex, tithes and offerings yeah. to churches and donations <laughs> to charities. I mean, uh, where are they my, on the priority my... list? <laughs> uh, look, my favourite controversial topic, talking about tithing. Uh, look, um, to me, these things should always remain uh, at the top of your priority list in the sense that, um, I mean, we could get into, I'll avoid the big theological discussion around tithing because we could probably do a whole series on that. But I think the big issue is that the Bible says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So I think the point is that we need to put God first in our life And that means God needs to be first with our money. So the two go hand in hand. Um, And so in tough times like this, I still think we should live generously. We should live open-handedly and we should hold money loosely. So that's the principles, I think, behind it. Um, And obviously in tough times, there may be situations where you go into a situation where you're the one in need. Someone needs to bless you and help you through and, and people are getting you through the crisis. And then the flip side, maybe you're the one who's got to step up to the plate and you've got to help people through the crisis and you go give much more than, you know, the tithing is means 10, you know, 10%. It now might be the time for many people to, to take it up a level and actually live uh, much more generously with a much higher percentage because this is our opportunity to do good and help others through this season. Um, so to me, giving and generosity does not stop. If anything, it's a great chance to see God turn up and do the supernatural through these challenging times as we step out and live generously, even when it feels more difficult. Peter in Yamba, uh, did you have something more to add? Yeah, just on donations to charities and that. I know a lot of them are doing hard ones, and um, we get phone calls daily, sometimes two or three at a time. Uh, each day there from charities wanting more money and for different 
purposes than that. And I just wonder what he thought on that because we're on pensions and it's very hard to um, you know, pay all your bills and everything and that. And then try. we do we do have set charities that we do do, do donate to, but um, they're always wanting more and more. You know what I mean? Yeah, Alex, on charities, uh, thoughts here for Peter because... Uh, you know, so often, if you have a generous spirit, you want to be able to be generous on every occasion. That's in itself something biblical, I guess, to be able to point to. But it, when your budget is tightening and you've got to priorita- prioritise uh, even the way you've been generous, what are your thoughts here for Peter? Yeah, look, I mean, he's right. It is, it's certainly tough, and, and many of the charities are doing it tough. Um, a couple, couple of thoughts. Um, first thing is that, I believe we should all live within our means. So um, we want to live generously and open-handedly out of what we've got, but we do need to live within our means. So I don't think people should be going to debt, for example, to give to these organisations. The second thing is to, to think of these organisations, um, apart from the obvious, which is to pray for them and pray for God's supernatural provision, is to actually call them up and offer them help in other ways. Because particularly if these charities are near you, maybe you can step in and do uh, voluntary work that will help them take off the need to hire. Maybe you can help them with fundraising and, you know, operate on their phone lines during uh, fundraisers and and so forth. So there's things you can do um, that are not necessarily you handing money over as much as that would be nice to do as much as we can. Um, There may be other ways that you can help those organisations that you love. Um, but to me, you should be spirit-led and you should be obedient to where you feel God is, is leading you on these things. Peter in Yamba, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Hey, Alex, uh, tithes, gifts to charities. Uh, interestingly, um, you've got local charities and you've got global charities Uh, Some are huge and some are not so huge and they're reliant on every dollar that comes in to be able to forward on to be able to, uh, you know, meet the the purpose that uh, they're established for. Um, The support for local charities or global charities in global in a global sense, you might be talking about a developing world where the needs Mm. are getting an actual meal in front of a starving child Uh, here Mm. on a local charity. It might be you know, getting a roof over someone's head or uh, protecting people in some special way. What are thoughts here for local or global when you when things are tighter? Mm. Well, look, I what I always say to people with with giving, particularly to you know organisations, whether it's global or local, is that God will often put things on your heart for particular types of organisations. So. Um, you know, many people are, have a very deep concern for the poor. And when you look at scripture, there's literally hundreds of verses that talk about meeting the needs of the poor. So that should be something on every Christian's list, which organisations are actively supporting those in need, whether it's local or offshore. Obviously, offshore, it's much worse because Australia is obviously very blessed, relatively speaking. And so it's not as obvious, although it's getting worse. I mean, there's just been, you know, in the last week, there's a massive rise in homelessness in Australia, 120,000 Australians. So it is becoming much more serious locally. Um, 
but then other things God may put on your heart as well. For example, many people have a passion for missions and evangelism because they know de deeply that we need to get the good news of Jesus out to as many people as possible. So I try not to dictate to people too much to where they should go, but other than to say, what has God put on your heart? What is God asking you to sow into? Uh, and the things that really lift your spirit, and you think, wow, I really love what this organization's doing. I want to get behind them. They're the ones I think you should support um, through it. But as I say, from a biblical standpoint, the one that we can definitely not neglect is helping the, the poor. There's a massive emphasis throughout Old and New Testament uh, to, to help those in need. And boy, does our, you know, our world need it. Let's take another call. Kane is in Albany in WA. Hi, Kane. Welcome along. How's it going? Very good. What are your thoughts? Um, this is a bit probably off topic, but I'm I'm new to the Word of God and stuff like that. I um, probably the last two months I've been catching up with this guy and we've been talking about scriptures and all that kind of stuff. I just want to know, like, you know, I've been in dark places. I've had anxiety for twenty years, like pretty bad, and depression and whatnot. I just I'd, maybe if you guys have some tips for me or something like that that might help me along Kane uh, that's a it is a general uh, comment you're looking for here on uh, tips for uh, going through times when you know even talking about this it could be a trigger for some that uh, you know causes mm. some anxiety over whether you can pay the rent this week or you've got enough to get some food on the table uh, the groceries are going up at the supermarket all the time uh, we've been talking about fear and dealing with those sorts of issues and finding some level of sanctuary in the presence of God. But uh, your thoughts here, uh, Alex, for, for Cain? Yeah, look, I mean, I was just thinking, because Cain, you know, you said, you know, you're new to the faith. I would really encourage you during this season to, to really get to know God. You know, you mentioned, you know, you're reading his word and you're learning, uh, learning about God and you're learning about the Christian faith, which is awesome. Um, to me, what makes Christianity so unique is the fact that we have a personal God. In other words, a God who wants to know us, uh, who he knows us, but that he wants us to know him. And he wants us to have a friendship, if you like, or a personal relationship with him. And that, that makes it so distinct in the sense that it's so amazing to think that you could get to know the God who loves you, the God that created you, and the God that has plans for your life. So I would say when you're thinking about all these things going on in the world at the moment and, and anxiety comes upon you, just um, draw close to God and get to know him and understand his character and learn what he's really like because that will carry you through because he is an amazing God. He's got a great plan for your life. Uh, and and the, the best part of it, he's got an amazing eternity plan for you. Um, and that's something that as Christians, you know, even when the world's topsy-turvy and there's all this mess going on around us and, you know, we're talking banking crises, we're talking all these different things. Um, we know that we're going to spend all of eternity with God in heaven uh, in the most remarkable place you could ever, that's beyond our nation so we've got to focus on that hope and uh, as i say as as you, you know you said you're new to this stuff i'd say get to know god and really get to know what he's really like and how much he cares for you and what his plan is for you 
Uh, just while we've got Kane on the line, uh, there's a certain sense, and if you're uh, someone who has been dealing with anxiety, uh, you might be holding some fears around these things. Uh, fear and dealing with it, because we talked about how you deal with that fear, and that can have an immediate effect, and that's really powerful. But it's not the same thing, is it? It's not an excuse not to then uh, keep on on a maturity trajectory, getting some biblical financial wisdom and having some biblical priorities in place. One thing to say, I can deal with the fear immediately, but I've still got to have some of those wisdom things developing. Any thoughts here, Alex, around uh, the fact that this is not an alternative when you seek God's uh, peace, but uh, those those uh, issues around seeking financial wisdom, they're, they're actually part of it. They're practical. Absolutely. I mean, I think you hit that out of the head. So there's a spiritual side of it, but then there's a practical side of it. And uh, Kane, one thing we I'd encourage you to do is jump, actually go to our website, wellfitpurpose.com, and you'll actually find a truckload of free resources there that will help you with your finances. Um, from the basic level all the way through to the advanced level but really all it is trying to convey is here's the wisdom of god's word you know which you're already learning and here's how you apply it so so when we have fears well here you've got a spiritual solution but you've also got the practical solution you know what things you need to do and what things you need to put into practice in order to um improve your your finances but at the same time draw closer to god kane thank you so much for your call time is running short now um is it worth uh, just popping a question like uh, what major things might you be on the lookout for are there some major global shifts that you've been monitoring those sorts of things that'll affect our own finances here uh, thoughts quickly on that one alex yeah look i mean uh... The world, I think, in the last 12 months has really changed quite remarkably where it's really become obvious that we're shifting from a unipolar world with uh, the United States as the, the number one global power into a much more multipolar world. You know, you've got the, the rise of China. You've just had the president of China over in Russia doing, uh, you know, doing deals and building partnerships. You've got uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia doing a trade deal. You know, you've got all these things going on um, and a shift away from the US dollar. That's happening slowly. Um, but the point is the world is really sort of almost splitting to at the moment. You've got the sort of America and Europe block of which Australia is part of. Then you've got the, the Russia, China, Iran, Brazil, India, South Africa, all these countries that are getting together as well. And um, the world so the world is changing quite significantly and I think it'll look quite different uh, in 10 years' time. The challenge, of course, of this is that uh, when these changes are going on, you do get more instability. And um, my probably big concern is this war that's going on. You know, it may be a bit quiet at the moment because, you know, people have been here listening to it for a year, but the, the war is very concerning. There's massive troop buildup. Um, central banks are now buying gold, which is usually a bit of a warning sign um, of potential war. You've got China that's been selling its US government debt which is, you know, because they're probably worried about sanctions that would happen, that come upon them if uh, they attack Taiwan. So there's all these things going on in the background um, that, that show the world is going into this much more challenging place. But what a... Uh, <laughs> so that sounds really negative with all these global shifts. But as I said before, God is still sovereign. And I believe in these challenging times ahead, 
we have such a wonderful opportunity uh, with the gospel uh, to bring people hope, uh, to bring them the truth uh, that Jesus Christ, and, you know, we're going to Easter and thinking about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And, and that debt he paid means that one day we'll be resurrected and we'll be with him in heaven. I mean, yes, tough times are here. But, boy, we've got a God that's so above all of these circumstances, and we should be very thankful for that. And when he is in the circumstances with us, uh, we have his strength to call on, and uh, we have his provision to call on. Uh, Great insights, as always, and we could have kept on talking for a lot longer, Alex, but time has run out for our segment today. Uh, Let me point listeners to how they get a hold of some of those resources that you are talking about, those free resources, and for people who are just getting their head around, or they've never really heard uh, there's all sorts of biblical wisdom on finances, I better check that out. Well, you can do at wealthwithpurpose.com. That's the website for Alex Cook wealthwithpurpose.com you can connect with Alex there too there's all sorts of free resources ebooks the my toolkit there's free videos there's podcast content uh, anything there that might be useful and helpful for you as you're going through some challenges around finances you can also follow Alex on Facebook and on Twitter And uh, Alex Cook, always so good getting your insights. Uh, We're going to do these segments uh, a little less frequently than weekly, but we're going to do them longer when we do. So opportunity there for listeners to call in and to uh, have their questions answered. I just appreciate you so much, Alex, and, uh, and good on you for offering all of this great wisdom, reading between the lines on some of the issues that are happening globally. So appreciate you very much, and thanks for being with us once again today on 2020. Thanks, Dale. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. Thanks for tuning into the Wealth with Purpose podcast. For more great biblical wisdom and free resources, please visit www.wealthwithpurpose.com.